1: Hola Los Angeles Here's a little heads up that tomorrow, November 4th How to LA will be streaming live from On Air Fest It's like an audio open house from the Dub Lab Collective You can catch all the fun on Saturday starting at 2pm Just head over to dublab.com and hit the Tune In tab Our show is slated to air at 2.30pm so tune in How to LA will be bringing you some great LA stories Our friends at Imperfect Paradise will be there too to get you excited for that, we are showcasing episode one of the latest series of the Imperfect Paradise podcast, People vs. Karen. The story follows Sadie and Eddie Martinez, a Latino couple who were falsely accused of attempted kidnapping by a white influencer in Petaluma, California. LAist correspondent Emily Guerin tells us about Sadie's quest to hold your accuser accountable. amid the Karen phenomenon, when multiple white women were caught in viral videos falsely accusing people of color of crimes. Take a listen.
3: This is Imperfect Paradise. I'm your host, Antonia Serejido. Every week, we'll be bringing you a series about dreamers and schemers, hidden worlds and fascinating people. It's a show about the gap between our ideal version of California and the messy reality we live in. This week, People versus Karen.
4: The Katies of the world, it stops here. It's not going on anymore.
3: Today's story is about the Karen phenomenon you might remember from 2020 series of viral videos in which white women falsely accused people of color of crimes. And normally, everyone fixates on the accuser, the Karen, not necessarily the people she accused. But this story is kind of the opposite of that. In this story, we're talking about what it's like to be on the other end of a Karen accusation. The couple at the heart of this story, Sadie and Eddie Martinez, were determined to bring their accuser to justice. Can the same criminal justice system that Karens take advantage of be used to hold Karens accountable?
5: I just want the public to know what she did was wrong.
3: Will they actually get her for this or will she get off? Like, I think that moms were legitimately afraid that their children were gonna be kidnapped at any moment.
6: It's incredibly rare for white women to be held accountable in these kinds of situations.
3: LAist correspondent Emily Guerin tells the story.
7: Sadie Martinez first saw the photo that upended her life on December 14th, 2020. She was sitting in her bedroom when her daughter walked in and showed it to her on her phone. It was a grainy screenshot taken from surveillance video at the Michaels Craft Store in Petaluma, California. Petaluma is a small city between San Francisco and wine country, where Sadie and her husband live and have raised five kids. This photo showed a man and a woman standing at the cash register. The woman's hair is up in a bun, and the man looks to have short hair, and he's wearing a hoodie with a design on the back that's kind of hard to make out. The Petaluma Police Department had sent it out because they were trying to figure out if this couple had tried to kidnap two children from Michael's the week before. What had happened was, the children's mother had filed a police report. And now, the police were trying to track the couple down. And Sadie's daughter was like, Mom, this looks like you and Dad. So your daughter was the first person who suggested it could be you? Yes. Because her friends
4: were telling her. And I looked, and I said, huh. And I thought to myself, when was this? And then I asked her that, and she goes, Monday. Where? Michael's? So that's funny, we were at Michael's that day. But... We didn't even have any interaction with anybody. There was no incident. There was no nothing. So that can't be us. But she was curious. So she logged onto Facebook.
7: And it turned out that the mother who filed the police report had also made an Instagram story describing what she said happened
4: at Michael's that day.
6: So here we go. Um, On Monday of this week, my children...
4: Everybody was sharing the story, discussing it. Can it be real? What's going on here? The video is more than 20 minutes long and filmed selfie style. In it,
7: a 28-year-old white woman named Katie Sorensen describes how, six days earlier, a man and a woman had followed her and her children around the Michaels craft store as she shopped for spray paint.
6: On Monday of this week, my children were the targets of attempted kidnap, um, which is such a weird
7: thing to even vocalize. Um, Katie had posted the video to her Instagram account, which is called Motherhood Essentials. At the time, she was kind of a wannabe mom influencer, selling supplements and dispensing advice on mindful mothering. She later deleted the video and made her account private, but I was able to watch the whole thing on this YouTube channel called the Dad Challenge Podcast. Anyway, in the video, Katie describes the attempted kidnappers this way. I definitely felt the
6: heebie-jeebies, I didn't feel good, but I thought I was judging a book by its cover. Um, They were not, like, kind. That sounds bad, but they weren't, um, they weren't clean-cut individuals.
7: At the Um, time, Katie had about 3,000 Instagram followers, but her video spread quickly, and not just in Petaluma. According to the local paper, The Press Democrat, her video got over 4 million views, Pretty soon, worried parents began calling the Petaluma Police Department. And soon, the local TV station, KTVU, picked it up.
6: My children were the targets of attempted kidnap.
1: That's Katie Sorensen sounding a startling warning on Instagram about strangers trying to grab her kids.
6: I saw these people. They didn't look necessarily clean-cut. I felt uncomfortable
7: around them. Katie's video and the surveillance photo that the police had sent out were everywhere. And
2: I'm like looking at this picture and I'm like, I know those people like they look
7: familiar. Kenyatta Reynolds is one of Sadie Martinez's good friends. She lives in Petaluma. She's black and has three children. When she saw the surveillance photo, I zoomed in and I was like, that looks like Sadie. So I
2: text her and I was like, um, I'm pretty sure that's you. And she was like, yeah, my kids are the same thing. And I'm like, yeah,
7: pretty sure that's you because I'm pretty sure Eddie's wearing the Black Lives Matter sweatshirt. And she's like, yeah, he was. And I was like, well, that's you. It was surreal. Sadie had no memory of encountering this woman, Katie, at Michael's. And now Katie was accusing Sadie and her husband, Eddie, of trying to kidnap her children. And the police were saying she was a person of interest, which was shocking to Sadie. She told me they were just everyday people. He drives for UPS and she does bookkeeping and makes balloon displays for parties and graduations. At this point, Sadie sat Eddie down and
5: she had him watch Katie's video. Every 30 seconds or so, I'm I'm wanting to yell and and scream and be like, you know, what the F are you talking about, lady? I mean, uh, I, I, I just, I couldn't believe what was coming out of someone's mouth.
7: It is deeply unsettling to be accused of a thing you have not done. But it was also, Sadie and Eddie felt, something that white people do to people of color all the time in America. And recently, more and more of them have been caught on tape. The woman in the video, Amy Cooper, is seen calling the NYPD to say an African-American
4: man is threatening her. Barbecue Becky's 911 calls have finally been released nearly four months after she made headlines. He
1: was using chalk to write Black Lives Matter when a couple walking by said that he was doing something illegal.
7: Sadie and Eddie Martinez could have quietly worked to clear their name and then try to put this all behind them. But that's not Sadie's style. Instead, she's fighting to bring her accuser, Katie, to justice. And justice for Sadie isn't Katie being canceled. She wants Katie to face real legal consequences. And more than that, she wants white people to stop falsely accusing people of color of crimes.
4: Am I shocked? No. But will we stand for it? Hell no. So, today, I stand in front of everybody in a fight to prosecute katie that's why i'm here
7: from la studios this is imperfect paradise people versus karen part one racism internet conspiracies and stranger danger collide in a michaels craft store i'm emily Garrett.
5: Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe.
2: As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self.
5: Check out Right Nowish. Rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you.
2: It's so many people of color, so many queer
7: people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness.
5: Available wherever you listen to podcasts.
7: This is Imperfect Paradise. I'm Emily Karen. I met Sadie and Eddie Martinez in a quiet public park in Petaluma. We sat on a bench, squinting into the winter sun, until Eddie stood up to block it for us. They're in their late forties, both wearing fleece hoodies. Hers white, his black. Sadie had makeup on, and her long wavy hair up in a ponytail. Can I just have you both introduce yourselves so I have that
4: on here? So just tell me your name, where you're from, whoever you want to be identified for the story. Oh, I am Sadie Martinez, proud Latin Irish raised
5: descent. And you Yeah, um Eddie Martinez, born and raised San Francisco met my wife when we were young, ended up getting together, 22 years now, five kids. I'm
4: married to Norm from Shears over here.
5: <laughs> We've moved away from where we grew up for the simple fact that we didn't want our kids being raised as we did. You're always striving to raise your kids a little bit better than you did. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work.
7: Before this all happened, Sadie and Eddie considered themselves lucky.
4: We have strong ties to the community. I mean, 15 years at UPS, 15 years at the same elementary school. I know all the teachers and principals and everybody in this town.
7: Sadie's friends told me that she's the kind of person who does something about things that bother her. When her kids were younger, they could never take the bus home from school because it left five minutes before classes got out. So she lobbied the local transit authority to adjust the
4: schedule. And they changed the whole bus system in the town. It was a big deal. Still, she told me she was more mom than activist. I take pride in the fact that I know a lot of kids in this town. And um, I'm the mom that gets the phone call when somebody doesn't have a ride. That phone calls at all hours of the night and not just for my own children. So this hurt.
7: Being a mom is pretty core to Sadie's identity. So Katie Sorensen's kidnapping accusation cut really deep. What also stuck out was when Katie described Sadie and Eddie on Instagram as not kind or clean-cut individuals.
4: Sadie felt like that was racially coded language. Just the description alone was, and everything was based off of our looks. Sadie told me she was totally exhausted that day. Her daughter had just
7: had surgery, and she'd been taking care of her all week.
4: I look like I rolled out of bed because, I don't know, I'd been wiping somebody's ass all week. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Sadie and Eddie
7: told me they feel like they stand out in Petaluma. The town is 68% white, 21% Latino, 4% Asian, and just 1% Black. And the town has a history of discrimination. A hundred years ago, Petaluma was a sundown town, an all-white place that used violence, intimidation, or racist laws to stay that way. But what Petaluma is most known for is actually something horrible that happened 30 years ago. In 1993, a 12-year-old girl named Polly Class was kidnapped by a stranger from her home in Petaluma. It happened during a sleepover party and her mom was asleep in the room next door. Polly's body was found two months later. It was in a field near the 101 freeway.
8: The search for one 12-year-old girl in one small town has come to represent a whole nation's fears about random crime.
7: Polly's murder happened during an era of panic about rising crime rates in America. The man who murdered her had a long criminal record, and he was out on parole when he kidnapped her. Polly's story was everywhere from the cover of People magazine to ABC World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. Her sister was invited to the White House by President Clinton, and her funeral was broadcast live. Joan Baez sang Amazing Grace.
3: Amazing Grace, how sweet the
8: sound. In the crowded church in Petaluma last night, they were praying not just for Polly Class. They were praying for a nation.
7: Polly Klass, a white girl with dark eyes and a serious smile, became one of the faces of the tough-on-crime movement. Her murder, and that of another white teenager, was used as a justification for passing California's three-strikes law. It's since been reformed, but originally, the law required a life sentence for any crime, even stealing gum or diapers, if the defendant had two prior convictions for a violent or serious crime. For people in Petaluma, Polly's murder was one of those, I remember exactly where I was kind of moments. It was senseless, it was scary, and it was all anybody talked about for a long time. Liz Carrasco grew up in Petaluma, and she still lives there now with two kids of her own. She's white, and she was about the same age as Polly was when Polly disappeared. I
2: wrote a poem about it. Like, I can remember, like, the first line of the poem that I wrote. What was the first line? It was, um... Polly Class became America's child, but all I knew was her bright smile.
7: Because of this history, lots of people in the community told me that a sort of hyper-awareness about child kidnapping
4: is part of the culture in Petaluma. Even Sadie said so. It's a small town, and this is where Polly Class was kidnapped. So you don't cry kidnapping in Petaluma without it circulating quick.
7: And it's probably part of why so many people in town reposted Katie Sorensen's Instagram video about the alleged kidnapping attempt, including Liz Carrasco.
2: As a mom, I just think I felt initially I felt that fear of like, you know, how do I keep my kids safe? If you follow personality types, I'm an ENFP and that comes the title is campaigner. So I I felt like, okay, well, I want to make sure
7: that other people are aware of what's going on. Joanna Pond has lived in Petaluma for 17 years. She's a school counselor, board president of the Petaluma City Schools, and a Black mother of four kids. She also saw Katie's video, but she had a totally different reaction.
2: So it kept popping up on my Facebook feed, and people were resharing uh, Katie's story. Like, oh my gosh, this happened locally. And the first time I saw it, I was like, this don't sound right.
7: It just didn't seem real. She just felt like Katie's reaction didn't make sense. I mean, especially she was so calm on um, like when she was talking about it. Like, I have
2: four kids, and if I thought anyone even tr- was thinking about kidnapping my kids, I would have been a wreck.
7: Joanna had gotten to know Sadie around the time of the Black Lives Matter protests earlier in 2020. And when she realized it was her friend Sadie being accused, she definitely knew it wasn't real. So they started texting.
2: So she sent me a message on December 16th and she was like, oh my gosh, my kids are saying that that's me and Eddie. It just seemed so ridiculous and so unbelievable. And then our texts just go on, like going back and forth between like disbelief and anger and like laughter. And it just felt very
7: surreal. Joanna and Sadie knew it was BS, but the police were taking Katie's accusation of a kidnapping attempt seriously. After releasing the Michael's surveillance photo on December 14th, the police were quickly able to ID Sadie and Eddie.
5: I start taking it seriously when we got a call from the police.
7: That's after a break. You're listening to Imperfect Paradise.
3: Selling a little or a lot? From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash paradise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash paradise now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash paradise.
7: I'm Emily Guerin and this is Imperfect Paradise People vs. Karen By the time Eddie and Sadie spoke to the Petaluma Police Department on December 15th the police had already spoken to Katie Sorensen three times about her attempted kidnapping accusation The police, by the way declined multiple requests for interviews but they did release a lot of documents as well as official transcripts and audio of Katie's conversations with them So, based on all that Here's what the police knew by the time Sadie and Eddie were called in for questioning. On the morning of December 7th, 2020, not long after leaving the Michaels, Katie Sorensen called the police from her car. You can hear her two young kids yelling in the backseat.
9: So, police are you reporting an emergency? Um, I suppose so, yes. What are you reporting? Um was just at the Michael's here in Petaluma, and a couple tried to kidnap my children. Tell me exactly what happened. Um, we pulled into Michael's. We're getting out of the car, and a couple was parked in front of us. They followed us into the store, followed us throughout the store, um, followed us to checkout. We're on the phone right behind us. I heard them making comments about my children's hair color and eyes, and I thought it was
7: Katie tells the dispatcher there may have been a third person involved, the driver of a white van that was in the parking lot. She describes him as being a white male with sandy blonde hair and glasses. The dispatcher stops her to get some basic information down, name, phone number, etc.
9: Okay, very good. Let me get your name and phone number. Okay, so let's go back to what happened to Michael's while you're driving. So they followed you around the store making comments about your children's appearance, and then what happened? And then when we were walking out to the car, I could hear them close behind me and I thought that was odd because they... Katie
7: says she thinks the couple didn't actually buy anything at Michael's. They put whatever they were carrying down and followed her out of the store. At this point, she called her husband and used their code word, the thing they say when they're in danger, but they don't want anyone to know. Katie walks to the car and starts buckling her one-year-old daughter into her car seat. Her four-year-old son is still on the stroller. She sees the couple again.
9: They came over to my car, walked in a circle around my car, which made no sense because their car was further away. And then as I was bustling my daughter in, they started walking in circles around my son's stroller, which was right next to me. There's no reason why they should have been next to me. And so I was too scared to say something to them, so I called to someone that was standing behind them and said, excuse Nancy, help me? And she came over, and they ran away and got
7: Katie gets transferred to a different police dispatcher who asks her to describe the suspicious couple.
9: Was there anything else that you remember about them? Yes. The gentleman, I'm sorry, my daughter's crying. The gentleman (laughs) was, (laughs) okay, okay. He was maybe Hispanic. Um, He was wearing a black hoodie that said Black Lives Matter. And he had like one of those E-mask type thing. The woman had uh, reddish hair. It was kind of like a dye. It wasn't, it didn't look like natural red hair. kind of dyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she had her, yeah, she was white.
7: Katie identifies Sadie as white. I should note here that Sadie is mixed race and has lighter skin. The dispatcher tells Katie to come down to the station and speak to a police officer. She parks, and an officer named Brendan McGovern interviews her through the car window. This is the audio from his body-worn camera.
8: If you were presented photos of any of these people, would you be able to recognize them? Yes. Okay.
7: Katie tells Officer McGovern more or less the same thing she told the dispatcher, that she believed this white woman and this maybe Hispanic man in a Black Lives Matter hoodie were trying to kidnap her children. Except this time, she adds a new detail about their appearance.
6: Okay. Um, I mean, this and the nice—they're just kind of rough looking. Like, I don't know how is that?
8: So. That's fine. Yeah. Um,
7: After she tells him the story, Officer McGovern seems genuinely stumped.
8: Like uh, and then I guess are are you or your husband? I mean, like important people for some reason? Is there something that they would be like? We're gonna take your kids and hold them to the ransom? Or? I might be by, my kids are very (laughs) good-looking. I don't know. Oh, that's bizarre.
7: I might be biased, but my kids are very good-looking, Katie says, laughing. Officer McGovern asks her again, are you sure they weren't, like, recruiters for a modeling agency? Katie responds, I think they were just trying to take them.
8: Obviously, the the suspicious behavior is super weird. The fact that they circled your car, circled the stroller is bizarre. I mean, we can... I don't necessarily know if it meets the criteria of, like, attempted kidnapping. Um...
6: But I it, don't care to press charges. I'm not ch- I just want to make it people aware so yeah.
7: that it doesn't
8: happen to someone else, is all. I- yeah, clearly. And that's why we have like three people <laughs> circling the shopping okay. centers over there. It's like, what okay. the heck's going okay. on? Um,
7: Katie says then- she does not want to press charges. She just wants to make people aware so it doesn't happen to someone else. Throughout this conversation, Katie seems relaxed. She jokes about listening to true crime podcasts. Towards the end, her kids start crying, and Officer oh, McGovern I'll let you guys, lets her go. I'll
8: let you guys get out of here. All right, well have a have a better day. Um, we'll look for these people, okay? Okay, thank you so yeah, much. Not a problem. Yeah. All right.
4: So the
7: police searched Michaels and the parking lot. They couldn't find anyone involved or enough evidence to say that a crime had occurred. They determined it was just suspicious behavior. So they dropped it. That could have been the end of the story. But almost a week later, on the afternoon of December 13th, Katie uploaded her video to Instagram, sharing her accusation with the world.
6: So, here we go.
7: Katie has shoulder-length blonde hair and big blue eyes. She's wearing a gray beanie, a black leather jacket, and a tiny gold pendant. She's sitting in the driver's seat of her car, and I don't know if this was deliberate or not, but by filming it in the car, she gave the impression that the attempted kidnapping had literally just happened. In this video, Katie said something that she hadn't told the police initially. She said that the couple hadn't just circled her stroller, but that the man had actually tried to grab it.
6: First, they had taken two steps forward towards the stroller,
7: then two steps back,
6: then two steps forward, then two steps back. It made no sense. It was obvious what they were doing. Um,
7: And that last time, he reaches for the stroller. He reaches for the stroller. I know this might seem small, but it was actually a really big deal. As Katie's video was going viral on December 14th, multiple officers at the Petaluma Police Department heard about it. A lot of people in Petaluma who'd seen it were also calling the police station, freaking out because they'd heard there were kidnappers on the loose. When the police began looking into it, they immediately noticed that Katie's story seemed pretty different from the initial statement she'd given them. Officer McGovern tried calling Katie to talk to her about her video, but she didn't answer. So he and a detective named Corey Yorger drove up to Katie's house in Sonoma, a 20-minute drive from Petaluma.
8: I'm recording now.
7: This audio is from Officer McGovern's body-worn camera. I also watched the video.
8: She's going to let us in.
7: The officers walk through Katie's back gate and up to the door. Katie comes out and invites them to sit at a picnic table on the back porch. They tell her they're here because what she said on Instagram is different than what she initially told police.
8: I was shown the video this morning after uh, various friends of mine also sent it to me. Um, and the post to Instagram mentioned a couple of different things. And specifically, uh, the, the lunging and reaching for your, your stroller was not mentioned to me that day, um, which is, is an element that makes up the kidnapping. Um, the Detective
7: Jorger the, says uh, they uh, watched the surveillance story. video from Michael's and that it contradicts her story. Katie's suspicious couple house house was actually inside the, the store, store before her. They didn't follow her in. Katie struggles to explain the discrepancies. As she talks, she rocks back and forth, bouncing her autistic son.
6: When you're in a situation like that and you're on high alert, Absolutely. you hear, you think you're hearing things. You mm-hmm. think you know what's happening. So I'm not like trying to stick no, no. to my story or whatever no, no, like
3: no, no, no. that. No, I'm just like if these people are out here doing what you're saying, they're doing, yeah. we, that, that's something for us to address, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, our next step is, is going forward with this. Is Um, One, prosecuting them, right? Yeah. And two, making sure this doesn't happen again. At the same time, we need to make sure that that these people are, in fact, the people that you
6: saw. Yeah. And they're doing what you were saying that they did. Because nobody wants to accuse somebody falsely, right? Exactly.
7: Katie takes a look at a photograph that Detective Yorger has placed on the table. It's from the Michael surveillance video, and it's of a couple standing in a cash register. This is the photo that Sadie would later see. The detective tells Katie that it's important to be sure that these are the right people because they're about to blast this photo out to the entire community to try to identify the couple. Katie looks at the photo and says, I'm 100% sure that's them. Detective Yorga tells Katie there's a lot of eyeballs watching. She asks if Katie's positive the couple tried to grab her stroller. Yes, Katie says confidently over her son's crying.
6: That part without a shadow of a doubt, that is what was happening. There is no, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason to someone taking steps forward and reaching. That is without a shadow of a doubt.
7: The tape cuts off, but she says, that is without a shadow of doubt. Later, she adds, I will testify that is what happened. But as the conversation continues, Katie seems less certain about parts of her story. The white van, for example. Maybe it had nothing to do with the couple after all.
6: It very well could have just been coincidental that someone mm-hmm. was in a van right behind me. It could and maybe
7: she wasn't actually followed inside. Maybe- Towards the end, Katie brings up her Instagram story. She tells the police she's been avoiding looking at her phone, and she's turned off comments on her video because it's too much for her.
6: I would like, I don't know if you guys have insight into this because I don't know how to handle this social media thing. I don't want to misrepresent what has happened. I do think it's important for mom's parents to be aware, but I don't, like, it makes me a little uneasy that you guys are getting blown up about this. I mean, I think it's important, but I also, I don't want to, I guess I'm feeling doubt that I misremembered the story and I don't want to misrepresent what happened and make it a bigger,
5: I don't know.
7: Towards the end of the conversation, Detective Jorger asks Katie if she's willing to go forward with the prosecution, and she nods. — All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to work on finding these people, Detective Yorger says.
2: Okay, — Thank you very much. — you. — Yeah, a good evening.
7: — Later that day, the police sent out their news release. Sadie's daughter walked into her mom's bedroom to show her a photo on her phone. And Sadie got a Facebook message from the police. The next day, December 15th, Sadie, Eddie, and their lawyer found themselves in a Zoom room with Police Lieutenant Ed Crosby. They told him their side of the story. They said they had gone to Michael's on December 7th because they needed a couple of very important items.
4: If you're of Latin descent, you know that most Latin people celebrate Christmas at midnight on the 24th, and you put baby Jesus under the tree. Normally, they went to her mom's place for Christmas, but this was 2020, so they
7: were celebrating at home. And that meant they needed to make their own nativity set. Her
4: 18-year-old daughter was upset they didn't have a baby Jesus. So Sadie said, I'll go to Michael's and get you a baby Jesus and make you your little nativity set. And so that's what led us to Michael's that morning. Eddie had the day off from his job at UPS
7: for his birthday. So they went to the store together. He wandered around while Sadie picked out her baby Jesus.
4: We stood in line, we paid, we walked out, we started walking to the car. It was about 10.30 in the morning, and he said, oh, I want Chinese food. And so we started walking towards the Chinese restaurant across the way, and as we were walking, I looked at my phone and noticed the time and said, "Um, it's 10.30, it's too early for Chinese food, they're not open. And so we just literally turned around and walked back to the car, got in the car and left. That was all that happened.
7: They said they don't remember seeing Katie. They said they definitely did not try to grab her stroller. After interviewing Sadie and Eddie, Lieutenant Crosby called Katie. I read the transcript of this call, but I couldn't get a copy of the audio. Crosby wanted to know why she hadn't immediately reported that the couple had tried to grab her stroller. Katie had no real explanation. "'Honestly, I'm not a psychologist,' she said. "'I don't know how the mind works.'" She said the purpose of her Instagram video was simply to make people aware. She says she wasn't trying to report a crime or to get attention. But you did report a crime, Lieutenant Crosby says. A very serious one. Attempted kidnapping. This seems to surprise Katie. She seems to realize, as the conversation goes on, that there's not really evidence to back up her version of events. So she tells Lieutenant Crosby she doesn't want to press charges against the Martinez's. But when the lieutenant gives Katie an opportunity to amend or retract her account of what happened at Michael's, she doesn't. She maintains what happened, quote, felt real, and that is why I shared it. I can appreciate your feelings, Lieutenant Crosby says, but we're trying to get to matters of fact. Towards the end of the call, Katie's husband David asks for a word with Lieutenant Crosby. He asks the lieutenant to speak to Sadie and Eddie on his behalf. Quote, I would appreciate it if there's any way you can encourage the other couple to let this go, David asks. And then he requests that, whatever the police department does next, if they could refrain from incriminating his wife. Lieutenant Crosby replies, We will be fair as possible to all parties concerned. And then the two men hang up the phone. Later that day, the story took a really
4: unexpected turn. At that point, they asked if we wanted them to investigate her. And they we, asked you that? Oh, they did. And we said yes.
7: The police were closing their investigation into the attempted kidnapping and opening a new one into whether Katie Sorensen had falsely reported a crime.
3: That's Elias' correspondent, Emily Guerin. On the next episode of Imperfect Paradise, Sadie Martinez begins her quest to hold Katie Sorensen accountable. I have
4: the ability to speak up. I have the ability to stand up here and fight back for people who
3: can't. And Emily's research into Katie leads her to a dark corner of the internet. There was a lot of misinformation on social media at the time that had led a lot of women to start to believe that child sex trafficking was a way bigger issue then statistically, we know it is. This episode of Imperfect Paradise was written and reported by Emily Guerin. I'm the show's host, Antonia Cerejido. Catherine Mailhouse is the executive producer of the show. Shayna Naomi Crockmall is our vice president of podcasts. Rebecca Katz is our intern and the producer of this series. Jens Campbell is our production coordinator. The editor is Sarah Kate Kramer. Fact-checking by Caitlin Antonios. Mixing by E. Scott Kelly. Theme music by E. Scott Kelly. Imperfect Paradise is a production of LAS Studios. This podcast is powered by listeners like you. Support this show by donating now at laus.com slash join. This podcast is supported by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live.
2: The L.A.S. Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism.